what do you believe that link is between mental health and creativity? And is there an important balance that needs to be had there in order to be successful? Do you ever wish life had an undo button? Walking the balance between business and the creative life can be hard. But Matt and Shelby are here to attempt to answer the tough questions, so you don't need an undo. Presented by Made By Things, this is the Command Z Show. All right, we're back with another episode of the Command Z Show. And today, uh, me and Shelby have a guest that is somebody that... um, somebody that I've admired for quite some time now. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the first time that, uh, I don't, I honestly don't know how we met each other. I, I don't remember all the details, but, um, I don't know. As soon as I saw the work that you were doing, I was like, this guy, he knows what's up. And, uh, we, we worked together on something a long, long time ago. I, do you, I, do you remember that project? I yes. can't remember the first thing that we worked on together. Okay, great. Um, but anyway, uh, a person that I that I admire quite a bit and have had a lot of great conversations with over the years and thought, who better to ask a special question to than Andrew Embry? Andrew, you want to give a little intro of yourself? Hi, I'm Andrew Embry. Um, intro. I've been animating for over 20 years. I've been doing motion graphics specifically for probably almost a decade, nine years. Uh, I've been Emmy nominated. That's a real thing for a scientific achievement. Look at that. Which is pretty cool. Um, Sold software to Pixar and Disney. Um, Done a lot of animation, traditional 3D. I just most recently just finished doing a ton of motion graphics works for the latest Spider-Man and still running my business to this day. Because, yay, look at that. <laughs> um, and that kind of gets me into uh, the, the big question that I have for you. And it might surprise you a little bit, but we're not going to talk about animation <gasps> at all. Maybe. Maybe we probably will. Gotcha. I don't know. We'll see. But on one of the things that we've, we've, <laughs> yeah, uh, that we've had a little bit of a conversation about not that long ago was um, just kind of this uh, this link between um, mental health and creativity. So the question I have to kick off this conversation with you is what what do you believe that link is between mental health and creativity? And is is there an important balance that needs to be had there in order to be successful? That's a really long question. That is a really long question. Like, ooh, that's a that's a spicy question, and also long. Um, it is. I can just go right into it. I yes, absolutely. There Let's is a huge, huge disconnect between you know health, like mental health specifically, health for that matter. Um, but mental health is a big part. Obviously, when we're doing any kind of work that we do, the value that comes from us as individuals has to come from inside of us. And I think it's really interesting, especially when it comes to arts, is that, you know, when we look at it as a, as a tool, because like, that's the thing is like humans are really great at creating the environment around us. 
and we're really great at using materials to be able to create that environment. And part of that material, material, excuse me, um, or that environment building is using art as a way to communicate value or creating value from art and art has value. And a big part of that is understanding that it comes from inside of us. And some of that has to do with a personal um, way to be able to communicate with the outside world. I know my own story. That's me, myself, my own person. I, I have a story that I can directly tie to art being my way to be able to communicate with the outside world. That's a huge, huge thing that was a part of me and allowed me to connect to my parents, which allowed me to be able to find purpose, which allowed me to be able to create value. So yes, I think art itself comes from inside and you have to value it. You have to value you. Right. I, I love what you just said there. So like using art to connect with people, um, especially people that are, that are close to you. I, there was, there's a quote that I just, um, or first of all, there's a Ted talk that I just watched from Ethan Hawke. I'm not sure if either of you have seen this. Uh, it's basically like his thoughts on creativity. And it was something along the lines, there, there's one quote in, in this talk that he gave, something along the lines of um, creativity, or our use of creativity is uh, based on how we try to heal ourselves. And I was like, that's, that's really a fascinating way to look at it, is that you know we're all kind of broken in whatever way, everyone's broken in a different way, but some of the greatest artists and creative people around they're they're trying to heal themselves in some way or another yeah i think Um, we're trying to express our authentic selves and i think that's the thing is like that's where art and creativity allows us to be able to have that kind of portal that that ability to connect and i think it's really important to be able to understand like communication takes many forms and you know animation is kind of the modern day hieroglyphic you know we think about in terms of shapes and symbols and we add audio cues to be able to kind of like take a really complex concept and distill it down something that's going to be open for every IQ level, for every demographic, everything to be able to connect, you know, the product to the audience or the audience to the product. And I think that's what you have to understand is like we're creating products, not necessarily just to consume and, and eat and, you know, be, we're trying to connect. We're trying to create value. And, you know, we've had this uh, a brief discussion about LinkedIn the other day. You asked a poll about, you know, how many videos should you be doing a year? And honestly, I think you should be doing hundreds. And that's the thing is like when you find that strategic partner that you'd be able to partner with yourself, myself, anybody other out there that's running a studio or running a small agency. Yes, there is a value. There's a need. There's a value proposition. Yes, you can make you can make a ton of videos for a lot cheaper than people think because it comes down to the relationship. And it comes down to connecting and creating not just valuable content, but creating content to connect, to be able to enable conversation, to be able to enable a value proposition. You know, at the end of the day, like that's what everybody looks at Nike. You know, you do it. And what's the value of it? It's the product. It's the look. It's the persona. Because you want to embolden on that. You want to be that product. You want to be those things. But is that you genuinely? I don't know. I see maybe what three Nike ads a day. So the big question that I have then is how did you learn these things? 
how how deep do you want me to go? Well, okay, so when I was a kid, I want you to go yeah, deep. Okay, how deep? Okay, deep. Um, when I was a kid, um, so <laughs> let's go back to when I was a child. When I was a child, I was born in a squalor. My mother was 17 when she gave birth to me. I was raised by my grandparents, my great grandparents. I did not speak until I was five years old. Um, my family was very much like, I'm going to hand it to you because that's what you get, Andrew. This is, you want the apple, eat the apple. There was never a space for Andrew to be able to express himself. And when Andrew did express himself, it was through art. So when me and my mother, you know, my single mother, we would go out to eat at a restaurant. I would sit under the table and I would get a placemat. My mother would always have a pen or a couple pens in her, in her purse. And I would lay, I would hide under the table and I would draw. And I would draw the world around me to be able to absorb the world, to be able to be a part of the world, to be a part of the environment, and to be able to connect, to be able to take part, to be you know, be present. Um, and that's what I did. And that's how I communicated to my family. That's how I communicated to everything and everyone. It wasn't until my stepfather came into my world, and he was I was I was about four years old, and it wasn't until his mother, Mary. That uh, was like, would you want Andrew? Use your words. Excuse me? Words? No, no, no. This is a picture <laughs> of an apple. I want an apple. Use your words. So right. for me, it was very instinctual. It was like, and this is the thing is like, I look at the kind of like the whole, I guess, how we connect. Like, maybe this is just a way to communicate. Maybe this is a thing that we did, you know thousands of years ago when we didn't have speech, when we didn't have complex ways to be able to interpret and digest and share words and, you know, actually encapsulate. You know, this is how we communicated and left messages for people. We used art. And, huh, if that's something I'm able to do as a child, maybe that's a thing. And then if we fast forward about probably four or five years, my dad was taking his master's business degree. And this is where I kind of really started to really build a lot of fundamental business, I guess, acumen. My father's taking his business degree, my bedtime story when I saw my dad on the weekends. And genuinely, I only saw my dad once a week, Friday night till Saturday night, because Sunday he would drive back. And he would stay in a hotel room, and he would live about five, six hours away from me and my mother to provide for us. My mother was also a workaholic. She left at 8 in the morning. She wouldn't come back home until about 9 o'clock at night, so I'd have to fend for myself as a child. So that was a real thing. And my time with my dad, I obviously treasured it. I loved my time with my father. And we would sit there and I would listen to my dad study. And so, you know, listening about <laughs> all him reading out loud, my bedtime stories were about differentiated product, um, chain supply management, Gantt charts. This is where I learned a lot of acumen, a lot of knowledge when it came to business so it was a huge part of me and so that's where like you know i was starting to like really distill down to one part the creativity the one part the business and then it's just been more kind of recently i've been doing like it's slightly embarrassing to say this, but like microdosing to be able to like really dive into like figure out me figure out a lot of trauma because i've been having a lot of stress a lot of stress and I'm like shaking over here right now talking about this because it's like, <laughs> shake, shake. Right, I'm going to swear a lot. So I'm honestly <laughs> no, like losing, uh, I lost myself. I've been losing myself a lot. And it's been losing myself 
the older I get, the more I lose, not necessarily touch. Maybe I'm just losing more who I am or who I thought I was. And I think that's what it is. I think I'm losing who I think I was. And maybe I'm relearning that. And maybe this is who I truly am. Or maybe this is just who I am for this time in my life. And a lot... Sorry, go ahead. No, I I was going to say, like, I... I, that's super fascinating to me. I, what I'm really curious about, though, is how does that, going through all of this, how does that change the work that you do? Um, and and is, is it a good thing or a bad thing, do you think? I don't think there really is a good or a bad thing. I think there is doing. And, you know, right. it's gonna, it sounds cheesy, but, ooh, sorry about that. That was loud. Um, now you're fine. <laughs> it's gotten to the point when... I guess my career, my life, really asking me big questions. I've been saving so hard for so long because I got through a point where I was nearly homeless, stealing food from grocery marts, stealing food from my landlord, stealing just to be able to survive for a long time. And then I got to that point when work started to become consistent in my life that I was able to like provide for myself and provide for my family. I moved across like oceans, I moved to India, moved to England, I was able to succeed and have lifelong goals and dreams met and lived. And then it was at a point when, I guess not so much of a point, but it was just kind of like the last few years where it's like, you know, just about three, four years ago, I was like, you know what? I can feel in my gut that all this money that I've been able to save, it's time to do something with it. So I bought this house Mm -hmm. and I bought this house for a purpose to become a vehicle to disconnect myself from the needs and being so shackled to the needs of my clients rather than the needs of my own. And that's when I kind of like disconnected, got rid of that chain. And this was to enable myself to be able to afford to live and not be as stressed to be able to go from project to 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 be able to say, no, I don't want your project. No. I don't want to work with you because I don't believe in you or your values, your ethics, your core of how you operate your business to be able to provide for me. I made that choice. And yes, that comes from a point of privilege that I can afford to be able to do that without a doubt or question. And that is something I decided that I need to take care of because I need to take care of me. I need to take care of my family and I need to be able to just not do that, not be that anymore. So we did. Right. So right. I think that's... Go ahead. No, no. Sorry. Uh, I th- that was a, a a very similar moment that, that I had myself where it was like, there, I don't know, there's something to this idea of just being financially stable that it shouldn't have so much of an impact on your mental health, but it does. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's this idea of like, you know, not having to owe... I guess I, I speak for myself. I am somebody that has barely ever had a credit card in my entire life. I've I've been always afraid of like owing people anything um, because I'm always like, oh, well, what if something happens and I'm not able to pay it back? Like, that's not a commitment that I want to make to anybody. Like, I, I've just been really weird about a lot of that stuff. But, you know, especially having a business and when you have employees and payroll and everything like that. Early on, that really got to me. And I was like, uh, okay, well, I don't have any projects coming in right now. Like, I have to do something. 
And, and it, it came to a point where I was just having to say yes to just everything. And it was, I don't know, that, you know, I was saying yes to everything. And then all of a sudden the projects would build up. And now I'm like, I'm really busy with a bunch of projects that I don't want to do, but I feel like I have to. You know, in hindsight, I probably didn't need to panic like I was. But in hindsight, right? right. Um, it's the past. But the so, past builds the future. And that's the thing is like we can't rely right. on it if we do it becomes a crutch and that's the thing is like you can't use the past right. as a way to be able to not necessarily express or belittle it's just a point of like this is what happened and it is going to come from a point of view that's your own because you live through it but it also is the value of your experience what enabled you to be right. present and that's the thing is i think it's very important so that's that's what I did. At, after you know the last three years, I've been sinking probably close to $200,000 into this house, getting it to a point where the basement is now a two-bedroom, complete two-bedroom apartment. The top yeah. is a two-bedroom apartment. And it pays enough money that I can afford to be able to say no. It pays for my mortgage. It pays for me to be able to have enough money for groceries and pays just enough. I can cover my own power. Great. But now I have a vehicle that allows me to be able to say no and allows me to be able to have right. not autonomy, but the power of time. Because we always talk about this, and it's something I always talk right. to a ton of people, a ton of people, is that you know we're always kind of indoctrined, especially in North America, that we're always talked and told, you know, time is money. We're always told this time and time and time and time again. But in grade four, very different in the U.S. and America. But in grade four, I was, you know, we're taught reciprocal equations about understanding the value of switching across that equation sign. So if time is money, what if money is time? And that's when I made that, that key distinction. It's like, I don't want to be shackled because I, I don't want to have to keep on making money to be able to pay other people to be able to stop living my life. And that's when I was like, okay, let's switch this equation. So I did. And now that's allowing me to be able to have this time. And don't get me wrong, I'm still making myself busy and doing project on project on project on project. Not as much, but still right. very, very much a lot. But I'm still at that kind of that key kind of that point, not necessarily that, that crust of that, that bell curve. I'm still working my way up to that kind of flip and that changeover, but I'm still working towards goals and aspirations and dreams. And it comes from a time and place in my life where it is a privilege that I can afford to do this. But I've made the decisions to make right. it happen. So now, as far as the quality of the work that you you're doing yeah. now, how do you feel like you know this this kind of more more financial secure? I guess yeah, exactly uh, if you, if you yeah. want to call it that. Uh, how how has that impacted the quality of your work? Um, I think it's great because like now I can afford to be able to reinvest in the projects. Not every project, but enough projects mm -hmm. that allows me to. Uh, to do what I want and like to be able to like just throw a little bit further in, you know, if that makes any sense. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, it's just like, right. I want to do these projects because I want to do the projects because I see the value. And, you know, I typically traditionally have always picked one or two projects a year to be able to say, Hey, you know what? This is an investment project for the investment of the, my business for me personally, for the demographic, for the client. Like these are the times I choose to be able to invest. And now this allows me to be able to not just do one or two, but maybe, Hey, to do three or four maybe right but it's like <laughs> why not you know if i can 
And that allows me to invest back into the artists to be able to allow them to be able to have that life balance. Like even today, I, I told one of the guys that's working for me, it's like, hey, you know, it's it's 530 in Berlin. I have like multiple clocks on my, on my every time zone I work in, I have a time <laughs> nice. zone clock to be able to allow me to know and be respectful to I need one of those. who I'm working with and where they're working. And so it's like, I'm looking at it, it says mm-hmm. it's 530 in Berlin. And I'm like, TikTok, motherfucker, it's time to get out. Get out now. <laughs> and he's just like, what do you mean? I still have like two hours worth of work to do here. I'm like, great. Love that attitude. But tomorrow you can do that at 9 a.m. Your time zone. Right now, it's time to get the fuck out. Because you need a life. And, you know, animation is the illusion of life. Yeah. If you don't have one, you can't do it. So get out the door. I want you to go have those amazing experiences. I want you to go get butterflies. I want you to go kiss your significant other. And I want you to take that energy and bring it back to me tomorrow. But right now, <laughs> go. And that's the thing is like, that's so important to understand that that time, that energy, that admin responsibility. That's the one thing that I think we're missing a lot. And that's one of those things about those mental health thing that we're doing as a business on mass. And when I say on mass, I mean, Every business is doing this. We're giving away countless, countless admin because we just do it to survive because we're in that fight or flight and we're so indoctrinated to believe that that's what we have to do because Bob is doing that. Tiffany's doing that. Everybody's doing it. No. Don't do it. Right. Right. That, for me, when I was working in Los Angeles, it was... I, I I don't know. I guess I experienced that a lot where people were just, they were so caught up in the hustle and they were so caught up in just Question. like, Oh no, let's work till 11 every night. Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes it was fun. Like for sure. It was fun to work late nights sometimes when I wanted to, of course, but I didn't get that option most of the time. So it was like, Oh, like it was finding out like at four forty-five when I was about to leave at like five, whenever it's like, Oh, Hey, we, we need you to stick around for a while because this thing needs to go out tonight. I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me like earlier in the day, first of all? Uh, And second of all, what's the difference going to make if we give this to them in the morning tomorrow? Like, I don't know. It it was experiencing stuff like that where I was like, you know what? I, I can do this now, but I can't do this for a long time. And I knew that like, as soon as that's that kind of, I don't know, that became the normal. I was like, there's no way I can continue doing that forever. So it was up until uh, probably the next day after my first son was born in Los Angeles, where I'm like, all right, let's get out of here now. And uh, it was like, well, where are we going to go? I'm like, I don't care. We just we can't be here. Like, I you know, started looking at a bunch of different cities and ended up in Columbus. But for me, it's it's always been like, you know, making sure that everyone understands on the team, Shelby included over here, um, that everyone understands that work is a secondary thing in life. Um, it is It is for me. So, I mean, I want that to be the case for everyone. I still want to make great work. Don't get me wrong, right? But at the same time, like, I don't want anyone to sacrifice, I don't know, too much of who they are, I guess. I guess my general thing is like, hey, if you're not busy one day and you want to go with your family to the zoo for an hour or two, go ahead. Just work later if you want or work tomorrow. Um, Like, I don't know, because for me, 
I guess, especially early on, I was working from home before working from home was <laughs> a popular thing. Um, and it was like, you know, I got to see, oh, I'm pretty sure all of my kids' first steps. Like, I, I don't feel like I've missed anything. And it's like, man, to me, that's, I don't know, that's the really important thing in life. And I don't know. So I, I'm, I'm very much the same way where I'm like, I don't want people working late. I, certainly it happens from time to time or working weekends, but, of course. um, and it's, yeah, it's just like, as long as it doesn't become a habit. Like, so when I was in Los Angeles, it was like, no, 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 for the next two weeks, we're going to work till late. And I was like, well, what's, what's late exactly? And then it became a game to see who could stay the longest. And I'm like, I don't yeah. want to play this game with everybody. Uh, that's not a game that anybody will win. For sure. And honestly, that's the thing is like, right. That whole, it's not so much like, it's just so ingrained that that hustle, that like kind of like competing against your own coworkers. It's like, no, that's just bad. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be that person. Right. Like, don't be, don't do that. Bad. Slap on the nose. Bonk on the nose. Like, right. bad. Bad. And that's the thing is like, I think <laughs> there's a lot of businesses that are out there that expect it but i think it really comes down to and this is where yes i do blame the producers but it's also the owners of the businesses setting bad examples because you know you're setting mm -hmm. false expectations you're setting things that are unhealthy for your constituents it's just bad and that's the thing is like right. it's just a thing right and that's the thing is like that thing has now kind of it's so widespread because it's just like that's what you do to be successful and it's not though. Yep. And that's the same thing though. Is like when we look at like these TikTok stars, we look at these Instagram stars, we look at these people who are doing everything amazing and they're doing everything by themselves. They're editing, they're shooting, they're dancing, they're practicing all by themselves. And to have all these social impressions, wow, look how successful they are. Oh my God, that's exhausting. Like that is so exhausting. Right. Like Andy Warhol said, like, you know, in the future, everybody will be famous for 15 minutes. And we're living that future. Right. Like we literally are now in that future where everybody has their 15 minutes of fame. But it's just like, how did we get here? Because now, obviously, we have always been the the the, the asset. We've always been the end all be all. Like right. we are using ourselves to be able to go be and garner our own value. Yeah, that's healthy in a way. It is. Don't get me wrong. But there's just so much that that is just like, and when you're running a business. You got to have separation and that's where right. the mental health really comes in. It's just so important to understand that. And it's so hard to be able to like communicate that if that makes any sense, because like, it's not so much that, and it's going to be different for everybody. You know, it's genuinely going to be so different for everybody. Um, mental health. Like, you know, I, since the pandemic, I've gained like 80 pounds and it's like hardcore, just gain weight. And it was like, wow, is this stress? Is this my point in my life? Like, what have I done to myself? to gain this much weight. I've done nothing. And you know, I've gone to doctors, I've had blood test screening, I've done everything I possibly can. And everybody's coming back like, oh no, you're super healthy, blah, 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 blah. Cool, great. And I ask, the one thing is like, I've been told from like my, my friends, my cohorts, my trainers, like people who are trainers for me, um, they ask me, is like, oh, you, you just work a lot. And it's like, I do, thank you for recognizing that about me and my, my values and my work because I care about making good, tangible work for not just my clients, but for me too and the other people I work with. I want to make something memorable. But I don't think it's that. And they're like, oh, your cortisol must be off the charts. Well, guess what? I have my blood test done three times in the last three, two, three years. 
and my cortisol is awesome. I don't have any stress. My body literally has like no stress. So it's like, you know, it's not that. And that's the thing is like, it's a clear distinction. And that's kind of like clicked in my head. It's like, wow, I can really compartmentalize these problems or these things. Well, yeah, because I get to de- decide that. I get to decide the value of the weight of that weight, of that stress. Where do I want that? And that's just the thing is like, everybody's different. And so there's like not a silver bullet. Right. Everybody's going to have different experiences, different environments that are going to be triggering, different words that are going to be triggering. Like there's, there's a whole slew of things that are going to allow and enable people to be able to have that kind of definition. But you have to pick and you have to create the environment in which you're going to succeed the most. Find what you need to succeed. And that means coworkers. That means businesses. That means creatives. That means you know your comfort zone. Like what is that? don't know you have to answer those questions yourself but right shelby question go ahead yeah i was i was just going to touch on that it sounds especially with you andrew is that rediscovery process of yourself as a creative and i think we're all kind of in that consistent stage of rediscovering how we work in our process and how we're building as creatives i was i was speaking with a performance artist just this weekend actually and um, he's having to kind of go through, he, he started doing performance art because he needed it as a way to deal with his own mental health and to get out some aggression and be able to cope with these things going on in his life. And he's at a point now where he's coped with these things and it's gotten to a place of more self-harm going out there and continuing to perform like this and having to kind of put himself in a different creative mindset and create an entire new process for himself. I mean, it's, it's hard to find that discovery process and, and find that new process. Yes. It's difficult. That's the key word, process. And that's the thing is like everything is going to yield a different result, but it comes down to the process that gets you there. And that's the thing is like that's why, you know, in business it's called standardized operating procedure, right? So if you have a standardized operating procedure, that means you're going to go through the same things ever, every time to be able to get to the same result. Yeah. But that process, that's what you – as a key definition and that's where i tell people like as an artist as a creative this is what you have to realize this is what you have to be this is what you have to do to be able to be successful in business you have to be able to have a standardized operating procedure you have to go through storyboards you have to go through style frames and these aren't just not just this business you have to understand this works for our business because it allows us to create creative value interpretive value because art is subjective so fucking subjective I could draw a circle and somebody be like, mm, I don't like that triangle. Can you try again? <laughs> that's subjective. That's art. Right. And that's okay. That's allowed to happen. We have to create those boundaries in which we can operate in with our clients to make them feel understood, help them understand what they're creating, but also what we have to provide to them as value. That's, that's a key thing. I- Right. I, I think what I'm, I'm not going to go back to this idea of getting older. Um, for me, it, you know, it took a little while to realize that you need, you need that process for yourself, like what works best for you. But what I wasn't anticipating was that it needs to change. It needs to evolve over time. Right. There, like there's certain things in your own personal process that you just, you have to, like, you can't, I, I, just, I was just talking to somebody this morning, but, um, about this idea of like, of, of kids. I always bring my kids into this because they are one of the biggest 
inspirations and not to say that they're like amazing. <laughs> they, they're good. Uh, they're good kids. But um, it's this idea that like their inspiration of just like yeah, just chaos. nature, just how mm-hmm. exactly it is. It's just just how they come about things and how they do things. Um, but it's this idea that with with kids, they develop good habits and they develop bad habits. They start sleeping through the night, but like they'll, you know, start crapping all over the floor in a certain spot. Like (laughs) they just, they do (laughs) things like that, but right. (laughs) It's weird. No, trust me. Um, But regardless whether it's good or bad, it never, it it always changes. So that's like what I'm always, what I'm always telling my wife where it's like, okay, one of them starts waking up at like two in the morning. I'm like, listen, it's not going to be like this forever. Like it just won't. They'll probably start waking up at four or this time. Like they, it, it always changed. Like everything is such a, a short period of time before like things sort of change. So it's like their seasons for a kid are like, it could be just a few weeks. It could be a couple months, but they're always different within a couple of months. Something's yeah, and it's changed within the environment. them. It's like they're sort of learned what they're reflecting. And that's right. things like that's no question about it. And that's again, part of age, but again, part of like situation. And that's the thing is right. like no different than let's say our mm-hmm. economy, our, let's say our clients or your clients or my clients, American, Canadian, British, it doesn't matter. Like those are all things that are going to like tweak and, you know, sl- slightly nudge the boat through this, you know, this course of ocean of life. Like all of these things have a place in the time and all these places in time obviously we're impacted and that brad bird quote i said earlier that animation is the illusion of life and you can't do it if you don't have one is understanding that my life is going to directly imbue that value to what i'm creating right now for my clients and what i live what i experience i showed this video to my father and i was like what do you think dad and he's like i love this this is probably my favorite job that you've done like thanks dad that's really nice of you to say, but you say that for every video. So cool, not discounting what you're saying, but I want you to be able to actually watch this and tell me something that I don't see. And he's like, you know, I like that. I like that. This is missing some, you know, some tire tracks, like maybe some like squeals away. That'd be cool, right? And he's like, yeah, that would be cool. Let's do that. And he's like, really? You do that? And I'm like, sure. That sounds fantastic. I love that idea. Let's do it. And he's like, holy shit. I, really? You'll do that? Yeah. Yes. And boom, I did it. And guess what? It's now the client's favorite part in the entire video. They love that shit. And I would have never seen that, but that's my environment reflecting onto me and I'm be able to digest it and be able to like reinterpret and like imbue it back into the work I'm doing. And that's the thing is like, I wouldn't have that opportunity if I didn't have that time with my dad. So... But that yeah. comes in too with process though, is knowing who's around you and who that's, to collaborate with because that's a well, big that's the part thing of that the I process. Hate the most about it. You're absolutely your right. And that's genuinely <laughs> what I hate, 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 hate the most about it is because like yeah. you see a project like, I would have nailed that. God damn it. But that's the thing is like, <laughs> that's where like, there's this meme actually. And it was a post that was like on Facebook. I post a shit ton of memes. Like if you follow me on Facebook, oh, oh shit. You I do. am the you meme do. king. <laughs> They're good. They're good. Like, he, you are. Okay. I will definitely say that. So they are, yeah, they are very good. Out of it, actually. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. So there was a meme that I posted. I'm, I'm pulling it right up on my phone right now, um, just because I'm that guy. Bougie. Nice. Cool. Where is this? <laughs> that's nope. That's uh, not at all. Boop, 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 boop. 
But however, that is hilarious because <laughs> so funny. Um, what is it? <laughs> Ingrew. What is my name? Ingrew. That's definitely not. Mm, you know what? I, I struggling. I am a struggle bus. Come on, Ingrew. Do this. You can do this. I feel like I'm, the pressure I'm, is on. Do this to me right now. It's on. All right, here we go. Meme time. <laughs> Meme time. Meme time. Here it is. Um, nope, not that. Not Anthony Starr and Heels, because that's pretty awesome. Um, so people won't notice the late nights, the early mornings, the self-doubt, the failures, the obstacles, the risk taken. They will only see the results and call you lucky. Now let's break that down a little bit, because you're forgetting some core concepts of what luck truly is. And we're talking about how to be able to get opportunity, the right opportunities. And this is what I broke down into like my little post of it. And it's like, but there is such a thing called luck. The right people that makes the right connection and connects you to the right opportunities. That, my friends, is called luck. And that's one of those core things that you have to understand. And it's so important to be able to understand the power of the people, the people that you surround yourself with. You know, the whole, you know, there's five lines you become the sixth line that you're what you are the sum of the people around you yes right so i even further on one of my shroom microdosing trips i came up with this concept i haven't shared this anywhere with anyone well that's not true i've said to two close close friends of mine and it's super important to me and i'm going to share it with you because it makes me so nervous and so giddy at the same time i'm going to share it with you oh god i can't believe i'm saying this to you okay i can do this Woo! All right, you ready to do this? Do you need a, no, you need a round of applause don't, or anything? Don't even look at me. Don't make eye contact to the webcam. Don't. Don't. <laughs> I'll, tur- I'll turn our... <laughs> don't. So I was outside mowing the lawn, and I was just like, you know what I'll do? I'll do half a gram today. I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try. And, you know, when I take these little kind of like microdosing trips, it's not to get high. It's never to be like, oh, wow, I can feel the hair on my beard. It's not that at all. <laughs> nothing to do with that it's actually for me to be able to have some sh- some real ptsd um therapy for my career and my my life as an artist my life as a creative because i want to be able to heal and i want to be able to be present and i want to care and be of value and of service to my clients and maybe this might turn off a bunch of clients whoever might want to hear this but hey this is my journey i'm an artist too i can live my life yep. So to be successful as an artist, but also to be able to have kind of opportunity as an artist and be able to understand the value of you as an artist, there's five Ps that you have to realize. One, two, three, four, five. Five. Ready for this? (laughs) Proximity. People. Privilege. Process. And perception. These are the five Ps that you have to find for yourself. These are the five Ps that you have to be able to search. You have to be able to digest. You have to be able to imbue. And you have to be able to reflect. And you ultimately have to be, to be, I would say, a successful creative artist in today's age. Um, I had this question on here. Yes. I'm going to ask you right now. It's, it's a question that I used to ask a lot of people. Um, and I'm curious what your answer is going to be. Baby, it's like that fire. Okay, here we go. Uh, do you do you feel like you're successful? No, no not at all. Honestly, you don't. Um, no, I struggle with a lot of this. This is like that whole self guilt and um, reflection 
you know about oh man I, I will cry if I start talking about this so I'll try to like walk trepidously listen trepidously. man let it flow if oh, it needs to yeah, it's okay. up right now talking about it um, uh, okay so woo, two years ago um, I was working with someone it got bad like real bad but a really amazing opportunity came from it I took that opportunity that time I was trying to prepare myself for what was about to happen with COVID. So I took this role. It was like a full-time contract role. And it was, you know, honestly, not life-changing. Maybe a little bit if we look back in the past. But, I mean, it was good. But it was at a time when, like, I'm... And I'm a huge proponent to be able to communicate, maybe over-communicate with the community, to be able to be proactive, to be able to really integrate... Uh, like, not integrate, excuse me engage the community to be able to ask the big questions about health to ask about you know your well-being and being real like genuinely being real like being transparent to a fault and i've been quote unquote blacklisted because of my ability to be transparent with the industry and uh one of the things i brought up was like talking about in 2019 how much work i did to be able to survive and ooh, the industry did not like that so that exploded and a huge ball of fire. And when I say a huge ball of fire, I mean like I had a massive breakdown. And it was at the same time, my dog, Oliver, which I named my business after, you see like Yellow Lab, and that's why you see me drinking out of a, a lab beaker. Um, he was having, he had a seizure and uh, I got a phone call from my, my partner at the time that he was having a seizure and she thought he was going to die. And I was in the middle of a phone call with my client, this full-time contract, and I literally was like, look, can't talk. Closed the, the lid of the laptop, got in the car, and I screeched and fishtailed around the corner to get to the dog park, which is about a five-minute walk away, two-minute drive, and went around to the corner to the dog park, knowing, feeling that I was going to pick up the body of my best friend. And this is like the love of my life, best friend. And I've cried about this so much. I'm trying not to talk or cry about it right now because I'm getting the shivers in my fingers. Um, but I was getting ready to pick up the body of him. And that, like walking through all of the memories I had with him, scared me because it's like, this guy's been there for me for everything. And I was so scared. At the same time, my phone was going off with the community just ripping me fucking apart, just tearing me limb from limb, telling me how horrible of an artist I am, telling me how horrible of an industry leader I am, setting such a bad example for kids, being uh, like undervaluing my services, my career, everything, just tore me apart. And I'm a person that was like, you know what? I can't, I have to practice what I preach. You put it out there and you have to keep it out there. Not just for historical sense, but because the community needs to be able to have that kind of marker, that mile marker to understand what made you today was because of X, Y, Z, whatever, Z, sorry, wherever you are, um, <laughs> wherever you are in the world, they have to have that kind of, not delineation, and that's why my personal Instagram account was never about my art. It was about what made me an artist. It's what made me who I am. It's what allowed me to be able to interpret. I don't want my Instagram to be like, product, 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 product. I'm amazing. Product, product, product. So good. Product, 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 product. There's a lot of people like that out there, and I'm not that person myself. You can do that. You can sell that. You can be that. 
if that works for you. It doesn't work for me. And I understood that from very early on. So that's why my personal Instagram is about my story as an artist. The behind the scenes, if you were. So yeah. as that was happening, I was getting like, fuck, probably thousands, hundreds of just like really disgusting messages. And just like to the point where I was even getting personal messages from people that was tearing me apart. And even this person that we had a really falling out on the job, particularly, it was disgusting. Like, I was just like, fucking, I would never say or do anything like that to anyone I would work with. Period. Horrible. And I told myself, picked up, and I got to the, the dog park, and lo and behold, here was Oliver running towards me. And I was like, what the fuck? What's happening? Like, am I in this weird universe? And he's like running to me. He's like, dad, it's time to play. And I'm like, Everybody at the dog park is like that eerie, awkward silence. You know, like if you're in a zombie film and somebody just turned and somebody just got shot, it's like, oh damn, what's happened? That eerie, like silence. It was that at the dog park. And my partner, she's, I don't know what to say. Like he was here, like convulsing, seizing, like foaming. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, he's here. We got to go to the vet. We got to go get some blood work. We need to go get some stuff like test. We got to go figure out what's happening with this guy. Cause like he's been getting sick and sick and sick and sick and sick and sick. Something's going on. Something's happening. I need my friend alive. And as that was going on, we're going to the vet. My phone's blowing up. Like I've never seen it blow up in my life. And that's when I made a clear distinction to stop interacting with the community. And that's when I told myself I'd give it 24 hours to have that live. And then if it was continue on the next morning, I need to cut that loss. I need to erase that part of my life. 24 hours later, it was still going on. The next morning, I had over 7,000 notifications. And I decided, no. I'd done it enough. I've given myself to this community. I'm not doing it anymore. I need to protect Andrew. I need to protect my dog. I need to do better for me. And that was a big distinction for me. I don't know if we got this topic, but that's uh, that's when I was like, no, no I, more. Yeah. So if do I see that? I figured it out. I got it. Do I see myself as success? You only live and exist in the minds of others. You don't truly exist in the way you believe, you perceive you believe to exist. And that's why one of those P's is perception. Ha <laughs> ha! So you have to realize <laughs> that perception of who you think you are, the value you believe you are, is for others, not for you. So can you manipulate that to be able to allow yourself to be able to have greater success? Yes, you can. And I see it all the time. Everybody uses that perception out there all the time. We can go on Instagram today and we can talk about all this amazing success people are having. Wow, great, successful. Oh, my God. But we're not talking about the actual success. We're talking about not the actual things. And trust me, like my dad said to me, you know, my dad's car broke down. The car I bought him four or five years ago broke down. They couldn't afford a car. They couldn't afford anything. Like when I first moved back from England, I took over all the bills from my family because they couldn't afford to live. They couldn't afford power. Like I had to step in. And my dad said to me, and it's probably going to make me cry a little bit. I'll try not to. <laughs> okay um he's like be proud of where you are some small things are big and you know honestly like that 
that hits in a way that I would not expect. But for me, it's just like, it's not too much the resonating. It's like, this is my stepdad. This is the guy that I grew up loving and adoring. And this is the man that I wanted to be like. Because he had huge shoes to fill. Like, he was a successful athlete, successful business owner, successful bank manager, human resource manager for General Electric Nuclear Power. He sacrificed himself to be able to be benefit for over 500 people. He's done so much. And he never gets that accolade. He never gets the love he deserves. And he's amazing. <laughs> he's my dad. And I wanted to be like my dad. And do I see myself as successful? No, I don't. And it's not because I don't believe in success. It's because I believe that there's, you know, the, the Star Trek quote. I can remember sitting in my grandparents' basement watching that Star Trek. I like Star Trek. And it's the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And I remember that was a key pivotal moment in my life when I decided that's what I have to be. And I grew up idolizing Superman, Spider-Man, and Batman. And it was their self-sacrifice that enabled the health for other people at the cost of themselves. Who are you? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be self-sacrificing? Do you want to be successful? Do you want these things in life? I don't know. But I know for me that life is not always easy. And I'm okay with that. I've come to terms with a lot of that. But it also means that I have to be capable. I have to be willing to take the hit to enable others. And I'm okay with that. I've gotten to that point in my life where it's like, okay, this is what it costs to have success. This is what it takes to have success. And success is subjective again. But again, do I see myself as right. successful? Resoundingly, no. I see myself as, as a fighter. I wake up. I, look, I get so giddy to have my first cup of coffee in the morning and to be able to think to myself, it wasn't long ago that I couldn't afford a cup of coffee. This is good. This is really good. I'm doing it. It's worth it. You know, in uh, first of all, I, I'm, I'm really thankful that you just shared all that because that's the kind of stuff that oh, that that means something in the world right now. Um, the one thing that. You said something along the lines of, um, you know, you only exist in the minds of others or uh, I can't remember what the exact quote was that you said. But one of the things for, for me that, I, that I've always felt like is the more sort of, I don't know, popular you get or, you know, the more people that are following you. I'm doing a bunch <laughs> of air quotes right now um, for everybody just listening. Um there's, there's, there's always going to be those people. There's always going to be those people that hate on the things that you do and they don't like the way that you do things. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't experience it to, to that level. Um, for me, it was more simple things where it's like, I, I can't even remember exactly, but it was like just little snarky comments where I'm like, Oh shit. Like, why are you attacking me? Like I didn't do anything like just like stuff like that. But and I think it got to a point where it happens 
quite often. I mean, right now I post every day on on LinkedIn. That's that's my thing. I post on there. Do I look at all the likes? Do I read the comments? Not all the time. I, I, there's people occasionally that'll say really shitty things, but I'll usually just come up with a little uh, <sighs> smart response to them, but I'm not going to let it get me upset because I guess for me, what it's, what it is, is like, yes, I, I, if I exist in, in the minds of others, no, I'm not, I'm not here for everyone. I'm here for a select few people. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, again, it, it's, it's easy for me for, for whatever reason where it's like, okay, does my wife feel like I'm successful? Does do my kids feel like I'm successful? Um, my parents, honestly, there's been a pretty low bar most of my life. And for me, it was easy to just be like, oh, okay, well, let's just make the bar really low <laughs> all the time. And that whenever I do something that's somewhat decent, then whatever, you know, but for me, it's like, there's one thing that I, I constantly say over and over in my head. I haven't told anybody this um, for probably the last two or three months. And it is, um, they are not mine. I am theirs, especially with my kids where I'm like, like, no, like I always say my kids. I'm like, no, 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 they're not my kids. I'm their dad. And it's like, it, for me anyway, for, for my personality, it just, it helps with a lot of decision-making and especially with my wife where I'm like, I don't want to do the trash right now or like just something stupid like that. And I just like, just have to close my eyes and say that in my head. And I'm like, all right, like I'm, I'm not here just for myself. Right. So like, I, I totally agree with what you're, what you're saying there, but what I'll counter with is that you're not there for those 7,000 people. So I, obviously it's easier said than done. Just be like, you know what? Just say, fuck it. <laughs> Don't listen to him. Well, I know that's, that's easy, exactly easy to say, that. but and I think that's like, for me, that was that key point in my career, my life when I made that trigger decision. And that was like, no more. And that's the thing. Right. Like, that's why I like, as I can say it, I'm going to be 38 this year. I've been animating professionally for almost 21 years and whew, 21 years. And yeah, that means I was, in my teen, I was an early teenager when I started doing professional work. Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. Did I used to go to the broadcasting station in my hometown when I was a kid growing up to be able to try to learn? Yeah, I did. Like, I did everything that I wanted to be and do. I had even my own kind of broadcasting station in my own house at one point. I had four VCRs. I had this amazing computer setup that I was able to like stream right to my iMac. My parents got an iMac loan in my name as a child and it's like here's the here's the, the papers you're responsible you have to pay we love you and we believe in you in your dreams and that was the things like for me it was like enabled me but i still had to be responsible for my dreams for my wants right and yeah that's the thing is like without a question it's definitely um that's where now in my life and where I am and where I'm going or what I want to do, you know, it's, it's evolving. I'm not there yet. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out. And I don't even know what's the next step for me. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to find more security, right. more stability. Um, overall, I'm looking for more happiness. And happiness, yeah. for me, anyways, is time with my 
my dog, is time to reflect, time to do lawn maintenance, um, boxing. Right. You know, these are things that make me happy. I like these things, and they contribute not just to my work. And I'm, I think I'm learning that distinction between the two things. Like, am I, I'm, am I my work or am my work me? Because for me, as right. an artist, not necessarily as a performing artist, but I'm kind of art, to be completely honest with you. It's like, you know, we're the puppets. You know, the client puts their hands up us and mm-hmm. tells us what to yeah. do. And we are that sometimes. Well, a lot of the time, to be honest, if I'm going to be honest. And I want to be an artist that my decision-making matters. My choices matter. Right. And I don't want to be just another Muppet. And I want to have value for my decisions. Right. And I think that's where I'm trying to lead to. I think that's what my 40s is going to be. I think that's what I want that to become. I love that, man. Um, Shelby, let's do some... Uh, fire question I, time. Honestly, we could talk about... I know, no, I... Great uh, we could probably go for another hour, but yeah. um, we're going to... Uh, we're going to do some closing thoughts here. Shelby, I see that you're you're nodding your head a lot and I definitely want to hear kind of some of your some of your final thoughts on this and then uh, Andrew, we'll go to you next. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about that idea of self-sacrifice. Um one of the things that I learned early on in my career because I came in as a woman in film and I received immediate immediate backlash of we don't like your voice, we don't understand your voice, your voice doesn't fit this, your voice doesn't make money. We don't want your voice involved. And it was something with me. I had to learn early. This is how you set a boundary. And it's okay to be a little selfish. I think that was one of the main things. And I I have a friend where all, all he does is self-sacrifice constantly. He grew up in martial arts. And um, they taught him early on of these are the values you need to sacrifice yourself, sacrifice for your family, sacrifice for those around you, your friends, give up those pieces of yourself. It's the spirituality, it's the art. And I just, I have to look at him every once in a while and say, it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to set boundaries for yourself. And I think that that's something we need to learn as artists. It's okay where sometimes, you know, five o'clock hits and you need to go out and live your life. You need to go out and focus on yourself and focus on your own mental health. Because as creatives, you have to live a creative life. You have to experience things. You have to have passion. You have to have love. You have to have anger. You need to have those emotions and those experiences to be able to survive and to be able to create great art. So I, that's, that's something I tell myself every day. Be a little selfish. It's okay. Set your boundaries. Well said. I like that. I like that that contrast from <laughs> from what, what we've been talking about. I think, uh, it's I think a that, good thing. I think it's a good. I reminder think it, I think it's people. a great a great reminder. Um. Yeah, Andrew. Final thoughts. Well, I like the color yellow. Um, I really like. <laughs> Not just the shirts. Um, <sighs> any any last second advice that you would give Honestly, to? Up and coming artists. Up and coming artists. This is really hard. Um, the turnover in animation is high, and you know they always call mm-hmm. it a young man's game. And now in my late thirties, I see it more than ever that it truly is a young man's game. Not saying that there's not possibility, right. there's not opportunity as the, as you further age. 
but you have to be very cognizant of what you give away. And be very aware of your value inherently. Understand you have value, you have power, <laughs> you have chances to create a creative life. And it's okay to say no, but it's mostly important to understand what you give away has value. And I'm not talking about the final work. I'm talking about interactions with your cohorts, the people you care about, your clients. The decisions you make to live your life have an impact. And however you define that is truly that secret sauce, if that makes any sense. Yeah. What I would say is uh, the quote that I, I've said this quote like nine times throughout all these episodes of this podcast, but Alan Watts, uh, you're under no obligation to be the person you were five minutes yeah. ago. And uh, I, I think that's, it's a really important thing to remember as you're going through it's things <laughs> that just, you know, you may, maybe you wanted something at one day. It's okay to not want that at a certain point. You know, for, for me, I was like, I was Pixar or bust. That was, that was it. It was like, I'm, I got to work there in one way or another. And then I started working closer and closer to that. And I was like, I don't, I'd rather have my own company well, cool. than, than do that, you know? And that's why I was like, you know what? And like, I don't know, it, it's a lot, it's a lot of work to be able to get to that level. Right. And I guess I was even thinking in my head, I'm like, is that, do I want to, do I want to sacrifice more for that? Is it, is it worth that sacrifice to me? And to me, it was like, I, I don't think so. And maybe someday it will be, and then I'll work at Pixar, but <laughs> I can decide five <laughs> minutes from now. And that's kind of the, the glory of just that, that way of thinking about things. I think that's know? healthy, but I think it's also this, like, don't discount the work you have done or are doing and the sacrifice yeah. you've made to get to today. You know, think about the opportunities for not just yourself, not just for your family, the people around you, the people that you enable. Right. That's beautiful. Like shit. That's one thing I'm constantly thinking about. And it really comes down to the value you create. Love it. Cool. All right. Fine. Great. Uh, that that's a wrap Good. for us. Uh, I love you. Bye. The Command Z Show is created by Made by Things, and if you have a question you would like us to discuss, you can send a message at cmdz.show. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. We'll see you next week with a brand new show.